This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. The Playbook. Now, I think I'm on episode 1105 or something like that, uh, but I am so excited. I have a Hall of Famer uh, here with me, a Hall of Fame speaker a best-selling author of one of my favorite books in the world. This ranks up there with Napoleon Hill and Dr. Wayne Dyer, something that I continue to read over and over again to unravel the layers of my purpose. Um, and I want to introduce everyone to someone who I admire greatly. Bob Berg, welcome to The Playbook. Wow, what a great introduction. Thank you, David. It's such an honor to be with you. Well, you know, when you live your life in the realm of trying to understand giving, and for me, it's been a, a lifetime energetically, genetically, to see where I've come from and the lessons I've learned that have all revolved around giving. Because I was born in a world of not enough. I have a single mom with six kids who gave everything. And so I had this initial, you know, the more you give, the more you're going to receive. But it was funny because everybody around me, Bob, they were so abundant about giving, but they weren't receiving anything. They were giving everything away. And it was so confusing to me as a young man. I said, you know what? I, I got to buy my mom a house and a car. So I'm not going to be a good person. I, I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to make a lot of money. And I'm not going to believe in this giving thing only because I want to give to my mom my mom who gave everything away. And so I went from a world of not enough where I was a victim and it was competitive and scarce into this world of for me. And, and I thought I was a giving person. And I think that, you know, I fell when I had money nine months out of law school, a millionaire, I sat there and said, okay, I make a lot of money. I'm gonna buy my mom this house and a car and I'm gonna keep buying everything that I want. And this is gonna make me happy. And Unfortunately for me, I kept making more money and it kept buying into the fact this was a confirmation that money could buy happiness and love. And of course, as you write about, there was a major paradigm shift in my life that had to occur because regardless of how much money I made, there was always more money, which I also was more empty and unhappy and created more interference. And all of this came to this great lesson about giving. And then I read your book. And I said, wow, this person understands something I didn't understand. And it was authors like you that changed my life. Now, I lost over $100 million and went bankrupt. Uh, most people don't make that much money or have never amassed that much, especially coming from nothing. Um, but through your book and through the mindset, the heart set and the handset, I've been able to make more money than I've ever made and help more people and have more fun. I was curious from reading all your books, what was it in your journey that allowed you to evolve your understanding of giving? So, so first, I, I think it's important to really define what me, we mean when we talk about, about giving as it relates to the, the term or concept of go-giver, right? Right. And so, so really what it's about is, is understanding that, that shifting your focus, and this I think is really where it all begins with the focus, shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense 
value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a, a more fulfilling way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. And not for any kind of woo-woo, way out there, magical, mystical type of reasons. It actually makes very logical, very rational sense, David, because when you, and you know this, when, when you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and place it on serving others, on discovering their needs, their wants, their desires, helping them solve their problems, uh, moving the focus off of yourself and onto helping them come closer to happiness, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They, uh, they, they want to be part of your life. They want to do business with you. They certainly want to tell others about you and be your personal walking ambassador. I think the challenge comes because of the way we as we grow up and whether a combination of, and it all goes back to our, our belief systems, right? The way we see the world. And this is a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, everything we, uh, we're, we're kind of hit with this idea. And, and sometimes we even experience it, unfortunately, as you did, where, you know, the, the person who's the giving person who gives themselves away really doesn't attain prosperity and the uh, you know the the people on TV you see in, in my day it was J.R. Ewing that's you know my my age bracket he was the the guy who was wealthy but he was horrible and he was obnoxious and he was terrible to it right and so there's that that treacherous dichotomy what my co-author John David Mann and I call the false dilemma the either or right uh, do you want to be wealthy or happy right? That's a, a false dilemma. It's the answer is yes, both. Right. And so it's understanding that, that yes, as you, as you give, yeah, from the heart, but as you give intelligently with an openness also to receive, right? And you create so much value for so many people and so many lives, you're planting these seeds of goodwill, of great will. You know what you're really doing? You're creating what we call the benevolent context for your success. So really, in a, especially to the degree that we operate in a free market-based environment, free market simply meaning no one is forced to do business with you, the only way you can create sustainable wealth is by focusing on bringing immense value to another human being. And remember, and, and I say this when I speak at sales conferences, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Right. right. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even just because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you, do business with you because they believe that that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's great news for that entrepreneur or salesperson who really genuinely, authentically wants to provide immense value to others. It's also why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value. And money follows you for that reason. And Absolutely. In the Go Giver Network, the Go Giver book series, you know, it's really clear the expectations. There's this, you know, feeling that uh, if I receive something, someone loses something. And in the storytelling, which I believe is excellent in utilizing your protagonist as a salesperson who is desperate to meet their quota and right. <laughs> typical, and eight, you know, I've run huge sales forces and. And I was, I was that person, you know, in my twenties and, 
and just, you know, wanting to hit that number and looking at some of, you know, my mentors after reading your book in a different light going, wow, I, I wish I would have had the ability to see what I couldn't see and learn what I couldn't learn at the time. And the idea of mentorship is also incorporated uh, yeah. in the book, uh, which is very important. But a lot of people, and I think they may miss this in the subtlety of the book, the power of asking for help, right? I think it's very clear to be able to articulate the quantitative value that we give and be able to provide that value to others and the effect it has on this benevolent world of abundance. But inherently, there's this real subtle message about you still, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's giving and receiving. Uh, and, and so Joe, the protege in the story is taught by, by Pindar that, you know, you, you breathe out, you also have to breathe in. Again, it's a false dichotomy, the false dilemma. It's not one or the other, right? You right. breathe out and you breathe in. You breathe out carbon dioxide, you breathe in oxygen. You breathe out, which is giving, you breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving, despite the messages, the anti-prosperity messages we receive from the world around us, which are absolutely immense, right? Despite those, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. As you know, giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in, in, in tandem. Um, the, the key is that the focus is on the giving, right? I mean, that's just natural law. That's, that's, that's universal law. That's, that's laws of, of nature. We plant before we harvest, we sow before we reap, we give before we receive, right? But once, you know, when you're giving and you're giving value, you're giving immense value to others and to, and, and you know, you've, uh, you've again, as you've got to still, like you said so beautifully, you've got to stay open to receive. And you can ask others for help. There's nothing wrong with it. And it's, you know, um, but it, it's, it's not just a, you know, a, a one-sided thing. You're always looking for how you can give value to others. And you're also staying very open to receiving. It's interesting to where belief falls into this. Mm -hmm. When I mean, you know, I, one of my mentors was a man named Bob Proctor who passed away oh. recently. Well, you know, he, you know, he is who Pindar is, is, was modeled off of in this, in the story. I, so, yeah, he, so he wasn't, Pindar wasn't Bob Proctor, but he was based on Bob Proctor, right? And, you know, yeah. the, and Bob was just such a wonderful guy. He lived in prosperity. He lived on the creative plane and, and he just gave so much to so many people and he was very prosperous and a fantastic guy. So, yeah, so yeah, Bob Proctor was a hero of mine. Absolutely. And as a mentor, I was blessed to be around him a lot. And when he first met me, I told him, you know, the more I give, the more I receive. And I was very proud. He He's the biggest donor. I'm the chairman of Unstoppable Foundation. And he was the biggest donor to the foundation. Oh, with um, um, Cynthia Kersey. Cynthia Kersey, one of my, another of my favorite human beings. Yeah, so I'm the chairman of her foundation, um, uh, which now makes me love you even more. And, and, and furthermore, though, so Bob, you know, when he first met me, I was much younger and naive. And I said, said you you give to receive I said yeah that's you know what I believe and he said oh you're still a negotiator because I ran the most notable sports agent and I said how's that a negotiation he said because your belief is that somehow they are tied you know together and he said think about this right that there this is just a trade this is another scarce thought he said 
Imagine if you truly believe there was more than enough of everything for everyone that you didn't live in the zero sum game where when you gave somebody was losing and when you received somebody was losing. And what if there was a value add world where you were only adding value on all aspects of giving and receiving? And this is a very interesting but difficult thing to communicate. And I thought you did it extremely well in the book that this value add world instead of a zero sum world was the best way to effectively communicate. It's not giving to receive, right? We receive to right. give more, we can give unconditionally, but we still have to have a belief yeah. that it's a value add world. We don't have to believe anything other than that to know by adding value that it will add value to everyone, not just the person that we're directing it towards. Yeah, and I and I think a, a person who did a wonderful job of of explaining that was Wallace D. Waddles in his his landmark uh, 1910 book, uh, The Science of Getting Rich, where he talked about the difference between living on the creative plane and living on the competitive plane. And when you live on the creative plane, it's more life for all, right? Everyone should benefit through every relationship. And of course, Bob Proctor, who was a big fan of of the science of getting rich, and Bob certainly embodied that. Yeah, as well as Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, and where we direct our attention and intention. Um, what are some of the nuances of the book that may not be more apparent or even of the community and the network uh, that people may not really gather? Some of the messaging that uh, may vibrate at a higher frequency that not everyone you know, gets it right away that you'd like to share with us today that, you know, are, I know there's many layers because I keep reading it and I'm like, oh, I get what Bob's saying here. This will really help me. Are there some things that you think aren't quite as apparent and people aren't aware of that are incorporated in the book as well? Well, you know, one thing is that I, that I think with the, the, with the title, The Go-Giver, people sometimes think that, that we're, um, that we, are saying that being a go-getter isn't a good thing. And of course, words have meanings. It's always how you define terms. But, but John and I like to say we love go-getters because go-getters are people of action, right? Go-getters get things done. And you know we're all business people. We know you can have the nicest thoughts, the best ideas, and the greatest of intent. But without action, uh, nothing's going to happen. So we want people to be both go-getters, uh, people who are action-oriented, and go-givers, people who are absolutely laser-focused on providing immense value to others. We would say the opposite of a go-giver is not a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. And that's that person who feels almost entitled, if you will, to take, 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 right, without having added value to the person, to the process, to the situation. And so, so I think a lot of people think that, that you know, Bergen Manor saying, be a go-giver, not a go-getter. No, we're saying be both. <laughs> right? yeah. I, I love that about Bob Berg. He's a both person like I am. And you really also look <laughs> at the law of gravity and the law of Goya and the law of attraction, meaning the law of gravity says I'm happy where I'm at. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time. Uh, with all the earthly rotations and hurling and the law of gravity applies. I, I, I'm happy here. But it's okay to have the law of Goya, which John Asaroff taught me, right? Get off your ass, make it happen, be a go-getter. <laughs> and then you're making room for more. Sure. Uh, the law of assumption, the law of allowance, the law of attraction, whatever. Uh, Non-woo-woo, woo-woo, metaphysical, physical, it doesn't matter to me. But there is a, a frequency that exists, a beacon that 
uh, of faith or belief that, look, when I'm providing value, value is going to follow me. I'm going to attract more value. I don't know where it's coming from, which I love, right? I, I talk about the law of coincidence, attention plus attention. If you look at my life, it's like, wow, all I did was give that person a ride. And the next thing I know, my life would change forever. In fact, People ask me how I got my job with Lee Steinberg, uh, most notable sports agent, Jerry Maguire. And they're like, how'd you end up with that job? You were a technology guy, Dave. I said, I was helping a friend. He asked me, he had a reality show. He didn't know many lawyers. I wasn't a very good lawyer, but he saw me as a great negotiator. And somehow I ended up in Lee Steinberg's office negotiating a, a reality show. And he took a liking to my knowledge of technology and sports. And he said, look, I need a new chief operating officer. Will you help me? I, I mean, I would have sent my resume when I was in law school a thousand times the least Steinberg to work for him, right? But by helping somebody else, by providing value, here I end up with one of the most notable positions that changed my life. And I read this book and I could think in my head, sometimes it was unintentional.